Good morning. It's Tuesday, December 3rd, and you are listening to the College Football Daily, a 24-7 sports podcast dedicated to catching you up on and breaking down the day's college football news, oftentimes within 15 minutes or fewer. I'm Connor Tapp, and I'm joined by Trey Scott. Trey, full disclosure, uh, it is when we are recording this, it is Monday, December 2nd at 3.15 Central in the afternoon, but we ha- our, our podcast rundown is already chock full of coaching changes so we're going to go ahead and get this podcast in now and it'll go up at its usual time on tuesday morning and if anything changes we'll post a new one but trey there's just already so much to talk about including a massive massive uh, shockwave through the college football universe with chris peterson deciding to step down from washington yeah you wake up on monday expecting maybe maybe you'll see some clay helton news if you went to bed early and instead the afternoon rolls around and Washington releases a statement. Like this had all been kept quiet. There was no smoke that Chris Peterson was looking to kind of recharge for a few years. Chris Peterson's out. Jimmy Lake is their new head coach, great defensive coordinator, great recruiter. This is the third straight year that one of the top coaches in college football has retired at or near the top of his game, going back back to Bob Stoops, Urban Meyer, now Chris Peterson. The parallel here, the interesting thing that strings them all together is that the succession plan was already in place. So, yeah, they've, they've gotten a lot of praise for how organized this all seems to be. But even with that, Trey, you, I, you're kind of skeptical that this is going to work out as smoothly as some of these other situations. So, like, I, I, look, Jimmy Lake is regarded as one of the best defensive coordinators in football. The past few years when we're crowning this 24-7 sports defensive coordinator of the year, which is a thing we do, Jimmy Lake's at or like he, he's in the mix every single year. But this isn't the slam dunk infrastructure is ready to roll move that assigning Lincoln Riley or Ryan Day was. That's not a knock on Washington. But Washington is simply one of the few teams atop the Pac-12 every year. And yeah, like before this year when they went 7-5, and five, they had won 10 games three years in a row, including making the playoff. But something felt a little weird about this year's 7-5 team. They're, they were reloading on defense, but they didn't have that many defensive issues. And they have an NFL quarterback in Jacob Eason, but at times they couldn't score points. So this, yeah, it's not like when Ryan Day becomes Ohio State's head coach after being undefeated as the interim, or when Lincoln Riley becomes OU's head coach after truly saving the direction of Bob Stoops' program. I think it's very possible that Washington, rather than you know staying atop the Pac-12 North where it battles with Oregon, kind of falls back to the, the middle of the pack. Yeah. We still don't know a whole lot about Chris Peterson's rationale for making this move. Some people have dug up some old quotes from him where he kind of said he wished college football coaches could take a sabbatical. But the way this industry works, that's just not really possible. So it kind of sounds like he used the word recharge rather than resign retire so it kind of seems like maybe we're set up for uh if maybe not uh, certainly you wouldn't expect this particular coaching carousel but the next one maybe chris peterson is a name that starts to crop up the way that bob stoops and urban meyer have ever since they stepped down yeah i don't want to you know date myself uh by tuesday morning if there's some sort of usc news on the horizon but like let's say just in a weird hypothetical that people are discussing clay Helton gets another year just because 
Well, then you might spend all next fall saying, hey, if Clay Helton goes 7-5, 8-4, and 9-3, and Chris Peterson's right there. Now, in the past, Chris Peterson hasn't been interested in those type of jobs. Right. He's Barton, kind of like being obscure. Yeah, he likes being obscure. Barton Simmons in the office today was like, dude, he might like have even regretted leaving Boise State. Like Washington might have been too high profile for him. Wow. Which is saying something. Because um, Washington, while a really good job and a really good program is not considered an elite coaching destination, although Chris Peterson sort of, I guess, perception-wise, turned it into one. I think it's interesting, like, okay, from Bob Stoops to Lincoln Riley was this no-brainer. I'll admit, when Urban Meyer stepped down with Ryan Day as the clear guy in place, it's clearly worked out. But even then, I was like, huh, Ohio State doesn't want to like, see what it can get? Like, Ohio State doesn't want to see if they can get native son Matt Campbell, who was a more proven coach than Ryan Day. Mm-hmm. So Ohio State values stability. Oklahoma values stability. Clearly, so does Washington. I even wonder, like, what – Jimmy Lake might be a better candidate than anything Washington could have gotten on this market. James Franklin's not going to go to Washington from Penn State. And what's the difference really as far as turning your program, like keeping your program afloat from a Jimmy Lake to a Mike Norvell. So Washington clearly believes that the infrastructure Chris Peterson's leaving behind is good enough to keep winning 10 games. Yeah. If you, if you want to go more in depth on this move and kind of the recruiting impacts West of the rest, uh, Brandon Huffman and Blair and Gulo recorded an episode kind of more focused on that aspect of it. It is uh, also in the college football daily feed as well as the West of the rest feed. If you want to check that out. So playing catch up a little bit here, we've had some more firings happen since we last recorded a podcast. Uh, one is Matt Luke is out at Ole Miss. Mike McIntyre named as interim, I guess, you know, if, if lucky for, for lucky now. for Ole Miss, they, they had uh, two former head coaches right there on staff. So, um, yeah, this this one seemed, I mean, Ole Miss didn't have a great season, but I kind of put them in a bucket of, are you going to be able to make a significant improvement on the guy you just fired? Because I mean, we talked about with Washington, like, who would they be able to go out and get in this market? And they're just not a lot of big names. I don't know. What no, but I do think Ole Miss could go after like a Billy Napier or a Mike Norvell or Willie Fritz who or Bill Clark who would improve. Look, like Matt Luke, I went to the Ole Miss message board, and everyone's like, thank you, Matt, Ole Miss alumnus. Thank you for what you did. You stabilized the program after you know, in the wake of Hugh Freeze's disastrous departure. But Connor – they went four and eight this year. You know, they've trended from six and six, five and seven, four and eight. Yeah. Maybe that's enough to say Matt Luke isn't a good power five head coach. Now, are Ole Miss fans sort of um, off their rocker if they're expecting this team to be what it was under Hugh Freeze during his, his best years? Yes, they are. Because now we know that Hugh Freeze's best years were created with, you know, roster assembly that wouldn't be described as legal so yeah i mean you're not going to be making the sugar bowl all that much you're the peach bowl and you're not going to have three five stars in one class and you're not going to be challenging for the number one spot but you could edge out mississippi state and arkansas every single year in the sec west and every four years have a chance with a really good class to be better than a texas a&m or depending on the year lsu does he does he get another year if they don't miss the pat 
after the after oh so i look at what you you assigned the blame to the kicker and not elijah moore for urinating um I like that you did that because you are on college scholarship and you should make that kick. Yeah, he gets another year. I mean, two weeks ago, the athletic director was like, I'm really excited for the for Matt Luke for 2020. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just. I mean, I, I was not blaming the kicker. Although, I mean, he could have made the kick and then nobody's even mad at Elijah Moore anymore. Right. It's just a funny thing. They kind of rushed the kick, by the way, it felt like. But. Yeah, but uh, it's just... As I mentioned on Sunday, like it's just fascinating to think that we might look back on this moment as a turning point for both Mississippi State and Ole Miss. Kind of like, uh, like people talk about the what if Tim Tebow went to Alabama? Like what if Elijah Moore hadn't lifted his leg yeah. in the Egg Bowl? One other transaction here: uh, South Carolina demotes offensive coordinator Brian McClendon. Uh, and fires quarterbacks coach Dan Werner and also the strength coach and uh, not coaching news, but Jake Bentley announced that he is a transferring destination TBD. Uh, Trey, I don't think anybody wants to hear my thoughts in South Carolina. What do you? I mean, you probably might have more thoughts than I do. So Will Muschamp is clearly keeping his job. Yeah, I mean, that's the takeaway, I think. Hey, you know, there's a lot of smoke right now that South Carolina is in the mix for Jordan Birch. The, like legitimately in the mix for the number two overall recruit in the 24-7 sports composite. So maybe stability with Muschamp here is key. As I said on the Sunday podcast, w- watching all these other teams say mediocrity is not our standard and watching South Carolina say it is for us <laughs> yeah. has yeah. been interesting, although $20 million is a lot. It's a, it's a big buyout. So like you got to go get a good OC. And I'm going to segue my school into this. Texas is in the same boat with firing its DC and OC also on Sunday night. And both of our, our schools now are in this point where you have to make a home run hire to save the coach's job. But the guy you're going to get is going to come to that school knowing he might only be there for one year. And does that ultimately drive up the cost of what you have to pay that person to get them to come? And then are you just throwing good money after bad instead of just letting this unfortunate situation? Maybe, maybe it's... It, Different context, I I mean, I think Will Muschamp is a lot closer to getting fired at South Carolina than Tom Herman at Texas, uh, but... Uh, well, you say that, but both face now make or break 2020 seasons. Yeah, I, I think the coach you get now in any of these jobs, as far as most coveted OCs or most coveted DCs, they're coveted on this market because they're needed to save somebody's tenure. So any of these jobs, you need a confident guy. You need someone who says, look, I'll leave... I'll leave you a C. I don't care. I'm Graham Harrell. I think I can do what I can do here. And hey, like it's the nature of the business. These guys are going to get paid at least a million dollars to do their job. And if it means they have to relocate in a year, so be it. All right, let's pivot into some rumors about who some athletics directors are meeting with. We've got reports of Lane Kiffin meeting with Arkansas AD Hunter Juracek. You think uh, we're going to see Lane move from FAU to Arkansas? That'd be a really good hire for Arkansas. Yeah, FAU had a quietly decent season after kind of a rough uh, season a year ago. Yeah, they missed the bowl game last year, and everyone said, oh, year one was a mirage, and then they bounced back this year. Lane Kiffin would – so Arkansas is in a hole. It's in all types of holes. Roster hole, perception hole, SEC West hole. Like Lane Kiffin, I don't know if he's like the perfect head coaching candidate – but he brings you out of a lot of things. He's instantly, everyone's going to do feature stories on Arkansas this offseason. 
everyone's going to be giving Arkansas exposure. That helps tremendously with recruits who absolutely know who Lane Kiffin is. Lane Kiffin recruited Tua Tungavailoa uh, to Alabama, uh, you know, at least tag team that in a multi-year joint effort with Steve Sarkeesian. So we'll see. It's interesting because normally when you talk about a celebrity coaching hire, who's just a a lot of his values and the fact that he's a big name and gets you media attention, it's an old person who like Like Max Miles. Yeah. So it's Lane Kiffin's, I guess Lane Kiffin's age. (sighs) 45. Okay. Whoa. It's 44. Okay. I was shocked. I was like, I thought by now he, I thought he'd be touching 50. I thought he'd be touching 50. But Lane Kiffin was like a head coach of the Raiders when he was 30. It's wild. It's wild. Uh, we also have a report via on the, from our uh, Florida State site reporting that Florida State is having some more talks with James Franklin. Trey, what do we... Well, the talks aren't going well. Uh, apparently, this is for Brendan Sinone in a VIP column, so I won't take too much of Brendan's info. Um, although this is good reporting. It looks like James Franklin's price tag might be too high for Florida State, which is not a shocker because this buyout, if Willie Taggart did in fact sign that contract at $17 million, and then Florida State, as you noted a few days ago on the podcast, was seeking you know some, some money from its boosters to help pay for this coaching search. So if it's not James Franklin who wants more than Florida State could offer, maybe they go after Matt Campbell or Brian Kelly. But look, like it's December 3rd. Florida State made a midseason move on Willie Taggart so that it could be a hiring a head coach yesterday. Where are we at, guys? And you're lucky that Jimmy Lake is Washington's new head coach, or else you're not even the most attractive coaching you know candidacy anywhere. Like Florida, I kind of almost went off the off the deep end on Florida State just now, but this search is taking forever. It's not making any progress. Reminds me a little bit of South Carolina's. Uh, yeah. Uh, attempt to fill Steve Spurrier's vacancy. Yeah, with Tom Herman and then Kirby Smart. Yep. Um, okay. Well, I'm I'm doing one last check of tweet. Oh, I have. Wait. Well, Willie Taggart in oh. South Florida. Football scoops reporting that Taggart is a candidate along with Clemson co-offensive coordinators Jeff Scott and Tony Elliott, who always have to be mentioned for the same job together. Taggart's a candidate to go back to South Florida, which fired Charlie Strong. So that hey, that'd be that'd be great. Maybe Willie Taggart could again take a long time to turn South Florida around. If I'm them, I'm probably going for somebody new. All right. Well, um, I, I think I think that is, as of right now at 3:29 Central on Monday, I think we are current on the coaching news. If anything new does happen, we will get that information out to you in some form or another. Uh, whether it is an emergency episode, uh, let's say if anything happens at USC, or yeah. we'll just we'll just talk to you next time. One more thing before we go: stay tuned for a special announcement about the podcast if you're going to be we'll have more details soon that we can share with you but for now what you need to know is if you are going to be in atlanta for the sec championship game or for some other reason you're going to be in atlanta uh keep your calendar clear on friday afternoon that's that's what we can tell you for right now uh that's going to do it for today's episode of the college football daily if you appreciate what we're doing please go to apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star rating it really helps the show For Trey Scott and our producer, Tiny Levitt, I'm Connor Tapp, and we'll see you on Wednesday or sooner if there's a big coaching change uh, for the next episode of the College Football Daily.